Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, grandparents of all ages, welcome to the What the What podcast. So, grandparents listen to our show, is that what you're saying? Well, why wouldn't they listen to our show? Do they know how to work podcasts? Grandparents should know how to work a podcast at this point. Well, if they don't, if you're a grand grandchild, if okay, you have grandparents, mm-hmm. or great-grandparents even, teach them how to use their technology so they can listen to podcasts, especially this podcast. Well, worst case, you just take your own technology, plug it into their old school record player, and you know, turn your fire on and start listening to some awesome podcasting while enjoying a nice, relaxing fireplace fire. Fire in the summertime. Well, you know, depends on how cold your air conditioning is in your house. That's fair. That's fair. If you've got it real cold, you can use a nice fire or just use a fake looking one just for, you know, atmosphere. That's true. So if you're tuning in this week, you're probably expecting a podcast on Boy Meets World. However, we decided we, we video or recorded it and we weren't very happy with it. No. So we're going to go back and re-record it at some point in the next week or two. Sure. And try again. Yeah. So we're, but we're moving on to our next planned episode. Which is video games from our childhood. Yes, this will be a new segment we'll have at least a couple times a month called What Versus What. It'll be Eric's Top 5 versus my, Kyle, Top 5. And we'll just see. I guess there's technically no winner or no loser. You both enjoyed it. You both liked it. I, I'm going to win every time. In your own mind, but probably not overall I'm, across I've the already board. won. See, I've already in his head. He's already making excuses. Well, maybe, his head. maybe once we get bigger, we'll put a survey out and we'll let each person weekly decide who wins that what versus what. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah, we will. So anyway, we're talking about video games. We're talking about your top five, my top five. And these uh, aren't just any video games. These are from our childhood memories. Yes. So, so I would say childhood up to teenage years. 2000, 2001. Somewhere in there, 2002-ish yeah. era. None of my games, I think, I have one that may be post-2000, but the rest of them are definitely well before 2000. And I have one that's way older, and then most of the mine are right around 99, 2001, even 2003, I think. I got one. We'll allow it. Either way. I was a teenager. It counts. I was not a legal adult. But uh, when did you start playing video games? Do you have like a memory or a system that you started playing on? My, I, my first memory, 1989, when I was three oh, wow. years old, a Nintendo Entertainment System playing Mario, where if I could get to level 1-3, mm-hmm. it was an accomplishment because my little fingers couldn't you know, grasp the concept of running and then hitting the button to jump. I would just hit run or jump, but I couldn't do both at, at the, the same, same time. time. So if I got past the first level and I got past the second level, that was a very exciting time for me. Well, that makes sense. I'll totally get that. We, I remember we had an Atari, but I don't really remember playing that first. I more so remember NES. My sister had one. Uh, she's five years older than I am, so she got it. It was technically hers, but I do remember playing Mario on that. Um, and I remember having like the track game where you had the pad and everything. Yeah. I don't know if we just didn't know how to use that, but I'd hit start and then I would run into all the hurdles and it would never work for me. I think you're probably not the only one who's had that experience. Um, technology wasn't like its best back then. Of course, for the eighties, it was revolutionary because video games before that point, you know, you played them like at the arcade, you know, Mm -hmm. you had the big arcade sets. I know Atari had their systems, but. You know, Nintendo really kind of revolutionized that concept. Because I remember playing that, and uh, to be honest, at this age that I was, like four maybe, I don't know that I even plugged the mat in. So maybe that was that my problem. That may have been the problem. I may have had the controller in my hand and been like, why isn't this pad working? Um, I remember I only had one game for the entire system. The rest of it was my sister's, but they did buy me the Ninja Turtles game. I had that game, and that was, was that the one that was ridiculously hard where you had yes. the underwater level at the dam? 
Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, getting through that was an accomplishment. Now, once you got out of that, you got to ride the little, the uh, turtle mobile or whatever it was called. Yes, yeah, I, don't, I um, think I maybe got there once. I was not very good at this game. Look, I, I've, I have that game on the Wii Virtual Console, mm-hmm. and here we are 30 years later, and I still am struggling to get to that point in the game. It's just a ridiculously hard game. I've watched, like, a YouTube clip of a guy doing it where I think he beats the whole game in, like, five minutes or something Yeah, do, like that. doing a little speed run there. It's crazy. I mean – for something he did, but I could barely get past the first level in that time frame. And well, I do remember, like, Home Alone, and I remember probably my favorite, that because we, we used to go rent games and stuff, I remember Tiny Toons. Oh, nice. That was one that I really liked playing. I remember Top Gun. Okay. Uh, we had Top Gun for the NES, and my dad would like to play that one, but I could never mm. land the plane on the uh, carrier. We also had Contra, and me and my mm. dad would play, that was the co-op game, we would play that one. Sure. And uh, I remember, you know, wanting to get the spread gun because, you know, the bullets would spread out. And mm-hmm. um, that's another one. We get to the auto-scroller level where you're having to go upwards. Um, if you could have gotten to that point, for me, as a as a five, six-year-old at that point, I, again, huge accomplishment for me because, I mean, games were hard back then. Sure. I mean, you got, like, three lives. I know the Konami code is a big thing now. Mm-hmm. But back then, you got three lives, and you didn't get checkpoints or whatever. I mean, when you died, you died, you're out. I mean, That's true. Now, Versus, now, yeah. Nowadays, there's games where if you die enough times, they will show you how to beat the level, like That's in some true. Mario games. So uh, gaming has definitely changed a little bit. Uh, it's funny that we're doing this now. I don't know. I know you're probably not as into the video gaming community as I am, mm-hmm. but uh, this week is the week of S. Uh, GDQ, which is called uh, Summer Games Done Quick. Okay. And it's a marathon they do uh, twice a year, once in January and once in the summer, where they raise money for charities. Uh, Doctors Without Borders, I believe, is the uh, sponsor th- or what they're trying to raise money for this year. Mm-hmm. And they have gamers from all over the world show up to uh, wherever they are you know, doing it from, and they'll stream it 24 hours a day for a whole week. That's cool. And that you'll get to see different uh, video games being speed ran, you know, being able com- to be completed as fast as possible. Now, is it uh, all like one gaming system? Uh, no, several different gaming systems. Um, I know yesterday uh, they did Punch-Out okay. um, they, for the NES, and then they did Punch-Out for the Wii. Um, I think the same guy speed ran both of them. Um, I actually think the guy who speed ran Punch-Out for, for the NES did it blindfolded. That's crazy. Which is incredibly, like, insane. And I know tomorrow they have their Mario block uh, tomorrow afternoon where they'll do uh, uh, Mario Maker. They have a little relay race going. They have uh, a couple of Mario ROM hacks. Uh, but it's all kind of games, and they don't stop. I mean, it's 24 hours a day for a whole week where if you wake up at 2 in the morning you want to get on Twitch and watch SGDQ, you just pull up the stream, and there's someone going to be streaming something from that that's location. Good. and That's crazy. And the whole point is just to raise money. So I think it's really cool we're doing it this week. Yeah, so I knew nothing about that. Yeah. Like I said, you're much more in the video game community than I am. I do enjoy them, but yes. I don't know anything about stuff like that. Uh, let's jump into it. What is your – because now you, now you told me the other day you may do your favorite number one first and then go to five. I'm doing it the opposite way. Which right. way are you starting? I'm going to start with my favorites and move down. Okay. Well, I'll do the I, I won't, I mean, I'm so excited to talk about my favorites, and I'll start – and that way you can finish with your top one last. That'll work. That's how um, math works. That's exactly how math works. So my number one game uh, was from the Super Nintendo mm-hmm. back in 1995, I believe. Batman Returns. No. Are you sure? 100%. That's the only game I remember playing on my cousin's no, Super Nintendo. No, this, uh, this was actually a sequel to a game that uh, I feel like revolutionized uh, the way 
2D platformers were built and created then. This is Donkey Kong Country 2, Diddy's Conquest. And this game, it's still okay. my favorite game ever. I don't think I ever played it on a system other than like a Game Boy. So Donkey Kong Country like really pushed the limits of what a 16-bit Super Nintendo could do. Um, where you had Donkey Kong, who is now being reimagined as a hero in his own game, where previously he had been a villain. He's trying to uh, get back his banana horde from the evil King K. Rule hmm. and his little buddy Diddy. I uh, see. Now Diddy was on the uh, Nintendo 64. He had a uh, racing game. He had that, but also uh, Game Boy. Yes. I had Diddy right. on Game Boy. And uh, that was the first one. Well, in the sequel. Donkey Kong gets kidnapped by King K. Rool, hmm. and it's up to Diddy and Diddy's girlfriend, Dixie, to go rescue Donkey Kong. So it's not even Donkey Kong's game. This is Diddy's game, and it was the first game was awesome. Mm -hmm. This game, if it was even possible, was a huge improvement over what was already awesome. So the first of all, the themes. They start on a pirate ship, which is where the last game ended. Mm -hmm. So they're going through all these different pirate um Pirate style themed levels where they're uh, on the on the ropes, climbing the ropes, and they're going through the the pirate ship, and and they get to the crow's nest where they fight, you know, the first mm -hmm. boss crow, and then they work their way to a dark cave, and there's lava levels, and and then they go from there, and then they're in this deep swamp, and then they go to what looks like a carnival, you know, they have mm -hmm. carnival themed levels, and then they, I mean, just so much variety in the levels. The gameplay is awesome. Diddy is just like super fast. But the biggest star that came out of this game is Dixie. And I don't know the stats, but it's my, you know, recollection that there wasn't many female, uh, you know, player, you know, characters that you could play as. Um, and Dixie, you know, she wasn't someone who needed to be saving. She was out there kicking the butt. But Dixie had the helicopter spin. She could spin with her hair and clear all these, uh, all this area, you know, so she wouldn't fall in the pits. Um, there were hidden bonuses everywhere. Uh, the game was snarky. Like you would go to Cranky's, uh, who's the grandfather of Donkey Kong. You go to his little shop and he would give you advice for a price. Of course, you have to pay like two sure. or three coins or whatever. And he would just make these snarky remarks about how, you know, you can't do this. And I don't know, you know, sequels are terrible in video games. And just, mm -hmm. he kind of breaks the fourth wall. Um, so Cranky's like Miss Cleo of the video yeah. game world. Sure. Pay him, he gives you <laughs> advice. Exactly. Um, lots of different Kong family members show up to help. Um, just a fantastic game. Like I said, hidden secrets, hidden bonus rooms. Um, if you get enough bonus coins, you can use those to find bonus levels. Um, there's Animal Buddies. Uh, you have Rambi and Ongard and Squawks and uh, Squitter and Radley and all these different animals that you can ride. And then later... Uh, levels you can get into a barrel and turn into those animal buddies to complete levels just it was incredible um i still play through it once a year i mean like i'll play through it in a few weeks this summer when i have you know some time just such a fun fun game uh i cannot stress enough how much i love donkey kong country 2 so nice. that's my number one well nice well i'll do my number five okay my number five actually is not from a video game console it is oh. an arcade game okay it was TMNT, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, from 1989. Nice. Uh, I don't remember. We didn't really have arcades around us growing up, at least not where we went often. We had Hoop Willoughby's. See, Hoop Willoughby's is on my list. Now, technically, that was kind of like your Chuck E. Cheese, right. sort of, but without the dancing and singing rats. 
Um, they may have had rats. I don't know. I was a kid. I didn't pay attention to their, you know. No, we were there for the video level. games, for yeah. the arcade games. So that's, I feel like, the first place I remember it being. I remember playing it there first. I don't even know if I played that before or after. I guess it was probably after regular video games that I played it. But anytime I walked in, I could see that iconic side of the game where it's got the turtles, some lady that's like a model dressed as April O'Neil with poofy, like, braided red hair. Or not yes. braided, but curly red hair. She had the yellow suit on. Yes. yes. And so... I always remember running straight to that game. Anything Ninja Turtles was right up my alley. So I remember playing that, but I remember most about that, um, playing it at the beach. Every spring break, my mom would, you know, my mom and my aunt both worked for the school system, so they would take me and my sister and my cousin, two cousins with us on a trip to the beach for the week, usually on spring break. And the place we would stay at had an arcade built in there. So I say arcade, it had like four games and a pool table. But Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles was one of them. And I remember us saving up, you know, all the change we could out of the hotel or out of our room, and we would go down. And so one day, me and my cousin Lewis both went down, and we went hardcore at it, just playing as long as we could. And I remember it went for a very long time, or at least for our age, it seemed like a very long time, but playing it all the way until we beat the game. And I remember that was the first game ever beating anything, so I remember being like, oh, man, we've done something amazing here. Versus, like you were talking about earlier, the other Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles on NES was horrible we're well not horrible but hard as crap especially for me being a little kid versus this being able to go through all the levels doing it all together you know almost dying and then you throwing in an extra quarter and being able to play again it was a huge George deal um it was mostly you were just one of the four turtles you could pick which one you wanted to play i feel like in the arcade system each controller setup was different colors it was blue yes. purple red and orange and whichever one you selected you know put your quarter in that's the turtle you got to be and I always, I, Michelangelo is my favorite forever Ninja Turtle, but in this game, I typically would use Leonardo or Donatello because they had the longer they weapons. Had long reach, yes. And so it was a lot easier to hit people whenever, you know, you're at further reach from that person. So I would do that every time. Um, and what it was is just you mostly just went through fighting different levels. Typically, it was foot soldiers, and then each end of that level, you would fight a bigger enemy, um, anywhere from Baxter Stockman, Granitor, General Trag. Krang and then Shredder himself as well. And I remember one big part was um, Krang's giant robot. He came flying in. Now, in the cartoon, like, Krang's robot was, you know, he was a couple feet taller than yeah, the turtle, but he wasn't human giant. Size, yeah. yeah. But in this video game, he was, he reminds me of the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man yes. from Ghostbusters, where he's giant. His head literally is going up and down over the side of the building, shooting lasers out of his eyes. And I, if I'm if I'm recalling correctly, that happened like not at the end of the level. That was like during the level, right? Yeah. Like where you would be going to the level, and he would just be shooting stuff until you encountered him at the end of the level. Is that right? I think so. Like he would just pop up throughout the level, and you had to jump over his laser beams as he was shooting because you couldn't fight him. You couldn't do anything against him. You just had to avoid him. Right. Until you fought him later at the end. Survival mode. But yeah. That's my favorite, you know, I, I was singing over these games, and honestly, I didn't think about that at first, and then it really clicked. It's like, I remember playing that all the time. Any chance you got, you know, you go into a, a Hoop Willoughby's to an arcade. I remember there's an arcade in the mountains, and we would go there. That was immediately the one I ran to, was Ninja Turtles. Uh, I looked up because, you know, there was Turtles in Time and other stuff on different systems. There was other arcade games as well, but this is the very first one. It's the one that just hits most close to home into my heart about, Anywhere you went, you always looked for that game, and it was so popular. Nearly everywhere you went, it was there. Like, if you were going to have arcade games, Ninja Turtles was there. 
I don't know if you have any more arcade games on your list. That was the only one I had. Um, but I didn't even think of arcade games, and I don't. I mean, I don't think one would end up on my list anyway. Um, but I remember having just a lot of fun with Ninja Turtles, mm-hmm. the X Men game. Yeah, that was really um, good. Was, it was fantastic, similar, and it was done in a similar way the Ninja Turtles game was. There's different characters fighting throughout the thing. And a few years ago, uh, I was in Pennsylvania with our, our producer Ricky and a couple other people scouting out a, a mission trip. Mm-hmm. location and they had a arcade where you paid ten dollars and you could play for an hour or two hours or whatever it is I've they, been ha- one of and they had awesome. they had the x-men arcade there and the four of us were just all over that system and we tried to get as far as we could in an hour and it was just i mean ultimate you know you had unlimited lives and just you you know if you died with one character and you want to switch to someone else you switch with Do someone it. else and just so much fun that's a fantastic pick and i, I may have competition now so i don't know um, so my number two game, um, okay. and this is one that I did not have on my list originally. Mm-hmm. And then it hit me, I believe Sunday or Monday that for me to have a list and not have this game on there would invalidate my list. Invalid list. From the Game Boy. Mm. 1998 is when I remember playing this game. I, I have an idea, but I'm not going to ruin it for you. Pokemon, Pokemon. Blue. Nice. Was my game. I have red and yellow on there on there anyway, but blue was my first game. Um, Pokemon was just, inc- I mean, I, I keep using the word incredible, but it was simply amazing for me. This is I still had the old gray block Game Boy. I sure. didn't have Game Boy colors then. Um, this is the old school that took four batteries and it had a backlight that you could barely you couldn't see at night. You could buy the accessory extra yeah. backlight to and clip on to make it a little bit brighter. A little bit brighter, but not much brighter. And I remember having my Game Boy everywhere with me and mm-hmm. a bunch of batteries, and I wanted to catch them all. Mm-hmm. All well, 100. And that was the goal. All 151 original Pokemon, including Mew, who was rumored to be behind a truck or whatever. Um, I ended up finding some uh, finding a friend who would trade Mew to me you know, quickly so I could have him on my Pokedex. That's a good friend. A very good friend, and he trusts me to trade him back, too. Would you so. like to give him a shout-out? Um, I don't even remember who it was, to be honest with you. He gave Actually, you no, I do. It was Jerry and Aaron's brother, Casey Nash. I was about to say, this um, guy gives you so a Mew, and you can't even remember his name. I know. Well, I know how to, you know, there's a, I know how to glitch a Mew now. Um, I, you know, we have the internet now, so, you, so you can, you know, not cheat, but you can get a Mew to appear because it's not – Technically, you, he doesn't appear unless you are able to do this glitch. Gotcha. Um, but, you know, the produ- programmers put him in the game. Um, I started with Bulbasaur, who was the easiest starter because he was good against the first three bosses where you had Grass, who was strong against uh, Brock's Rock Pokemon. Uh, Grass is strong against Misty's Water Pokemon. And Lightning um, uh, was the third Pokemon, and Grass was resistant to Lightning. So... Bulbasaur was the easiest path. If you wanted the harder path, you'd go with like Charmander because he Charmander was a fire Pokemon. He'd be weak to rock and weak to water. Um, now, which were the first two to come out? It was blue and what was the other? Blue and red were the red. first two. Okay. And then yellow was released like a year later. And it, yellow was kind of tied in a little more with the anime show mm-hmm. that was airing on, I believe, uh, Four Kids Network or Fox mm-hmm. Kids Network at the time. And when that came out, the Game Boy Colors were out at that point, too. And I got a specialized uh, yellow Game Boy that had uh, Pikachu on the side. Oh, that's cool. And it came with uh, uh, Pokemon Yellow. And then that one, you had Pikachu following around. But uh, I remember in eighth grade, I had my Game Boy in my locker. I was a good kid. Didn't bring my Mm -hmm. stuff out in class. Had a kid who broke into my locker and stole my Game Boy. 
and wasn't Casey Naren, was it? No, it was not. Yeah, I was like, he didn't give me my mute back. I'm <laughs> taking his whole Game Boy. Uh, I ended up recovering it, but he ended up using my Master Ball, which was mm. 100% catch rate on any Pokemon, saving it from Mewtwo. And he ended up using it on like a Nidoran, oh. and, which was super common. So I had to start the game back over from scratch, where I had, you know, at that point, like 110 of the 151 Pokemon. Mm-hmm. And so started it back over. Ended up going all the way and catching all 151. It was wow. just, to me like that was one of my bigger accomplishments as a gamer. That's awesome. On the old school gray Game Boy, I still love Pokemon today. When Pokemon Let's Go came out for the Switch last year, mm-hmm. I got a Switch around Thanksgiving time just so I could play Pokemon Let's Go Eevee and played it all during Christmas break. Ended up, I still don't have 150 on that because you have to be able to trade some Pokemon in order for them to evolve. Gotcha. But uh, I've got like 145 of, that's still, that's of, awesome. the hun- of the 150 that you can catch. So uh, love that game, and I'm looking forward to Pokemon Sword and Shield coming out this November. Nice. Um, I have no idea who a lot of these new Pokemon are. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've done some Pokemon Go stuff in the past year and trying to learn new, new Pokemon, but just super excited about Pokemon. Love Pokemon. My number two game of all time, just for the sheer amount of hours I put into that franchise. And I get that too because I had it. I had um a red, it was a red, uh, color, right. uh, yeah, Game Boy. I saw it at your house, yeah. A couple weeks ago. yeah. And I think I had the red originally because I remember I had to choose between the blue or the red, and I think I had red. And I always started with Charmander, but I was not great at that game. But I did have friends that do it. But I really don't know that anyone that I knew actually beat the entire thing. So that's awesome to hear that you actually did that. So cool. The memory I have, too, about Pokemon was my friend Chris Rode had it, or our friend Chris Rode. He had it, and he was one of the people, too, that had played it a lot and got really far in it. And then sometime in, I think it was seventh grade, we had a sleepover at the high, at the middle school. We were doing something in English. It was covering a story about camping out or whatever. So they did this big camp out where all of seventh grade camped out near the ball fields. And I remember our other friend was playing uh, Chris's uh, Game Boy. And because Chris was like, okay, but just be careful. Like, you know, don't lose any of my people, blah, blah, blah. Well, it turns out later that the guy accidentally hit something and, like, erased all of his history. Oh, no. Where, like, Chris was super mad at this guy, but at the same time, he's like, I didn't do it. I didn't do it. So, like, who knows? But I just remember that much. And at that point, it's hard to start over. Like, if you've lost everything, you have yeah, the motivation tough. to go back. I still have a um, – I went back, like, five or six years ago. I bought a Game Boy Advanced XP, mm-hmm. which is the Game Boy that folds over. Yeah, yeah. But it still plays original Game Boy games and cool. bought a Pokemon Blue and a Pokemon Yellow. Have it on my desk at home. Um, and that's something else that, you know, whenever the time comes, it's not every year, but every now and then I'll pick it up and start playing it. And whether it be from where I left off or I might just start a new file mm-hmm. and go from there. That's cool. So my number four is a game that I had no clue existed. Um, I Let's see. It came out in 2001-ish, I think. And around this time I had friends that, we would all get together on like Friday nights, be at one person's house, and we would all, we got in a gaming, uh, I don't know, it's not like a club, but it was just a gaming thing where we'd play a game all together at that friend's house. The next weekend, somebody even might bring their system or whatever. But my game is Midnight Club 2. Okay, I've never heard of this game. See, no, I'd never heard of it. None of us owned it. But whenever we got together, the guy's mom took us out, we got pizza, we went to Blockbuster, and we all decided on a game together. This is a racing game. Uh, Fast and Furious had just come out in that same year. It was something that kind of changed all of our lives in that room where it was, you know, we had played, you know, random racing games and other things like in arcades, you know, that you would go and play, but never anything like this. We, you know, we'd played the random Need for Speeds that used to be like your generic supercars or whatever that 
you play in an arcade. But this game was based on like street racing. It was based off right off the way Fast and Furious was. You have these cars with body kits and neon lights and all these things. And your goal was to ride around like challenging other people and racing them and beating them wow. and getting their cars. Now, this is before, you know, some other games came out. This is really original um, to the point that they didn't even have the contract with car companies. So these were cars that looked pretty much identical to real world cars, but yet they couldn't call them what they were. Right. And they would change a little thing like a taillight or a bumper or something just to throw you off. But it was cool riding that, you know. So instead playing. of like driving a Ford, you were driving a form or something. Well, it didn't even have like the name in general, but it's like you look at it and be like, man, that's a Honda Civic. I know that's a Honda Civic, but they didn't have any Honda labels on it. Nobody said anything about a Civic, and it was just tweaked enough that, you you know, it wasn't identical where they could get sued for it. But um, I remember playing, and you're riding around, and whoever's the main, you know, you're playing it by yourself, but there's a car in the middle of the screen, and then there's a little map on the bottom left corner, and it would direct you of where you had to go. And so I remember we started, it was like four of us playing, you know, we were doing it in rotations, like a race would happen, then the next person would take the controller and play the next race. And it's a whole series where you're trying to go through and beat all these lower level people, build your car up, get nicer cars, because when you would beat somebody, you could get their car. And ideally, you're moving up the ranks to beat all of, you know, the main bosses or whatever in the racing. And um, I remember the big thing is they started falling asleep, and it was me and Brandon Evans, you know, and we both died hardcore over fast and furious that style cars and so we just kept playing bro we're gonna beat this game we and more so even than that it wasn't a matter of beating the game we want to see what car can you get next and i remember if i was driving brandon's job was to stare at the map and say there's a left turn coming up now and then there's a right turn coming up now and so that was our goal was whoever was driving the other person you were your job was to stare at that map and let them know what was coming up ahead and it worked for us we ended up beating the game to the fact that we went back to Blockbuster and like, do any of these other games exist? And I think later on they're like Midnight Club, like Dub Edition or whatever, where SUVs with giant wheels and stuff. But for me, that was the first game I ever played. You know, I didn't grow up, you know, watching NASCAR. I didn't grow up in any of that stuff like car-wise. But after Fast and Furious came out, like it just, I think I was 14 at the time. I was just starting to get in the cars. Like it blew my mind about the fact that these video games existed and what you could do with it. So what system was that for? I want to say it was PlayStation. Maybe it was PlayStation 2 at that point. But it had to have been PlayStation, I think. Right around there, maybe early PlayStation 2. Okay. Very but, cool. We're going to have yeah. to check that out. So, my number three. Mm-hmm. I feel like you're going to yell at me for this because I actually have two games in my you number can't three. can't do that. Yeah. No. Um, l- let, me expl- let me explain why I have two games here. Because one game... You're a cheater. Yeah, I'm, I am a cheater. That's the, that's the main explanation. So, when I was... Um, Again, in middle school, we'd have these sleepovers. Um, my buddy Andrew would have these sleepovers at his house, and he Andrew had an Nint- uh, Andrew Casey. That's what I meant. Um, and he would have these sleepovers at his house. He had a Nintendo sixty four, mm-hmm. and he introduced me to so many games on that system. I mean, I can't even begin to think what my life would be out if I hadn't been introduced to these games when I was eleven or twelve years old. And one of the games was WCW NWO Revenge. That was an awesome game. And we were, you know, he was a really big wrestling fan, and I was not big into wrestling at that time until I started playing this game. And I have this on the list because it was like one of the originators Mm -hmm. of that style where THQ and uh, AKI were, um, were producing these games. And that game was just so fun. It was simple to pick up, grapple, uh, strong grapple, weak grapple, hit, punch, kick, whatever, mm-hmm. off the top rope. 
you had pretty much everyone from WCW in there, including Goldberg, who I was a huge fan of. Sure. Uh, this game makes the list because of just one specific incident. Um, I found out that if you hit the joystick on the N64 controller, mm-hmm. you use the D-pad to move around, which is different than most N64 games. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you hit the D-pad, normally you would taunt. You know, you would uh, Sting would do the woo, and yeah. um, Hogan would do the ear. Th- you know, cupping his hand to his mm-hmm. ear thing, and um, but if you were pinned and you hit the joystick, it would automatically kick out for you. I totally didn't know that. And it was kind of, you know, kind of a glitch. And I figured that out while I was facing Andrew. Andrew was Raven, mm-hmm. um, and I was Goldberg. And Andrew was just so much better at this game than I was at this point. He was incredibly talented at this game. And, of course, he owned it. Sure. I didn't have a 64 at the time. And he was just beating my tail. He would hit me with Raven's finisher, the Even Flow DDT. Mm-hmm. And then is I that really what that was called? Yes, the Even Flow DDT. That makes so much more sense because yes. he was dressed like a '90s grunge person. Exactly. And Pearl Jam's song Even Flow that makes so yep. much sense. So much. Why that was called that? And he hit me, and I'd kick out, you know, from luck the first time because he hadn't beat me down enough. And then he he hit me with his finisher again, mm-hmm. and then I accidentally hit the joystick one time, like just trying to kick out, and I kicked out. Hmm. And I'm and I'm thinking to myself, no one saw me do it. Mm-hmm. So and he would just he was just dominating me. He ended up hitting me with 17 <laughs> even flow DDTs, and I'd keep kicking out. And finally, I got enough strength to get to my feet and kind of low blow him or kick him in the leg, mm-hmm. hit him with the spear, hit him with the jackhammer two times, and wow. I ended up beating him. And he was so mad. That is funny. And he's like, how did I lose? I hit you with 17 of my finishers. And I ended up telling him, like, well, here's what happened. So that was a little glitch in the game. The game that I put next to it was WWF No Mercy. Okay. And this was the last one to come out in that series. Um, WWF had gotten the license from THQ and AKI from WCW. Um, they had moved on to, um, I think, Konami or Acclaim mm-hmm. uh, to build their uh, WCW Nitro games and stuff. So WWF picked up the license or got picked up by those companies. And they produced WrestleMania 2000, which was really good. But then WWF No Mercy was just incredible. It's still considered the best wrestling game of all time. And it, I think it was who considers it the best wrestling game. Anyone who plays wrestling Anyone. videos, I mean video games. If you go online and you ask what's the best wrestling game of all time, it's sure to pop up on the list. Is that the one you have that yes. we played at your house? I have all all of them. Yeah, that's the one I have where you can create your own wrestler. Mm-hmm. Um, that was huge. Um, you can um, purchase like different items, different you know sets of clothing at the SmackDown Mall. Uh, if you go to career mode, you can challenge for the belts in any career mode, women's. Um, light heavyweight European Intercontinental Hardcore Tag Team hmm. or the World uh, or the WWF belt, and they had like these little arching storylines where if you won, you'd go this way. If you lose, you'd go on another path. And they had all these different little paths oh, cool. based on if you win or lose. Uh, had the most complete roster of um, at that time. Uh, you had all the wrestlers. You had referees. Earl Hebner's playable in that game. Jim Ross. Uh, Gerald Briscoe and Pat Patterson. I mean, Is Matt's cousin available in that game? He was still working for WCW at that oh. time. So, um, Matt's cousin is uh, Charles Robinson, Little Nate, who still works for WWE. But that game took the WCW game and perfected it. And that's why it, they're kind of tied on, tied on my list. The WCW game kind of introduced it. WWF game perfected it to the point where, again, still play it today. I have it with my 64. It's in my collection. Anytime I boot it up, you know, I pull up that game and just dive right in. That's awesome. So that was my number three. What is your number three since we're sharing the number three slot here? Surprisingly, I don't have any wrestling games on mine. That's not because I didn't enjoy them. Uh, 
I feel like the only one I ever owned was WCW Nitro on PlayStation, and it was okay. Like especially for the time, it was awesome. The, for the me, great, but. the great thing about that game is like if you when you go to your critic or not your uh, your pick a character, mm-hmm. um, you could play a little promo from each wrestler. And I oh, remember yeah. like I had the demo for that game, um, and I remember Hogan, me, you know, talking about, um, you know, the the Pythons and you know the NWO running wild on you. And uh, Sting, you know, talking, you know, just wooing and mm-hmm. um, just a fun game. Anyway, your number cool. three. My number three, it comes from that same group that I was talking about, how we'd always get together on Friday nights. Well, growing up, I never watched any scary movies. Um, just not something my mom really cared, you know, to show us. But my sister wasn't into it, so I couldn't watch it anyway. But we reached a point around that middle school age or, or early high school where we would get together. If we weren't playing video games, we would rent scary movies. And so my friend Chris Rode, same guy again, keep bringing him up. He brought over this game with his PlayStation 2 called Silent Hill 2. And I was like, what the heck is this? You know, I don't know anything about this. He's like, well, we've got to play it with the lights out. You can't play this game with the lights on. And I was like, okay, that's dumb, but whatever. So we started playing this game, and honestly, this game creeped me the heck out. Um, I loved it. It was fun to play, but I remember playing it back and forth because it was a one-character game. You're going through trying to find this dead guy's wife who... Um, He's got this other lady that randomly appears that's leading him through the game. But I remember mostly as you're going through the streets, like the streets are foggy. It's really hard to see like three feet in front of you. All you can see off in the distance is like these random bodies that are walking really creepy. They were called like monsters, but technically they were like zombies or whatever. But I remember too, whenever you got inside a building, all the lights were off. There were no lights in these buildings. You had like a little flashlight attached to your chest or whatever that you could shine but it only would play like three feet in front of you. You couldn't see anything beyond just that little shine of your light. And I just remember it had like creepy music playing the entire time. But anytime you got close to like a zombie monster thing, your radio would start getting really staticky. And all of a sudden the music would get more intense and everything happened. And it was so scary because you knew something was coming, but you couldn't, you didn't know what was coming. Um, I remember too, like this game was just creepy. I remember there was like random stuff with like blood. You find like half chopped up bodies. Like there was part you had to reach in a toilet to get something. I remember that much. Gross. But there was all these things that were just super creepy um, to the point I had nightmares about this game, but I still loved it so much. Uh, it was a game that I remember even beyond just playing it at that house. Anytime I went to Chris's house, we'd play it. And I remember one night playing there, the lights were out, of course, because he wouldn't let you play it with the lights on. He had to make it extra creepy. But it was probably like two in the morning we're playing this game. And we keep hearing some random noise outside. And of course, like middle school age, teenager, whatever, your imagination runs wild with all of a sudden some creepies outside, blah, blah, blah. Turns out Chris Rhodes lives on a farm or whatever and had a horse outside his window just making a bunch of noise. <laughs> but me, I'm creeped out thinking there's somebody outside trying to break in or some dead zombie thing walking around. But um, that's honestly the only like horror type game I've ever played. But it was just one that stood out. And originally didn't make my list. So I was just thinking right off the top of my head. But then I remembered... Playing that game with him being one of those games that you tag teamed up on. It wasn't multiplayer. It was just you and him back and forth trading off and really just being creeped out so much that, you know, nothing like that's ever affected me in a way like other games have. So did you ever play a game? I've never played. I've never played it. I did see the movie yeah. adaptation that came out in 06. It's similar. I don't remember enough about either one. I did. I do remember seeing it. Um, but I remember going into it being like, this game used to creep me out, so I'm sure this movie's going to creep me out. Definitely. I have to go back and watch the movie. I haven't done that in a long time. Definitely. Well, my number four. Number four. Uh, goes, again, back to the uh, the group that we had sleeping over at Andrew's house. This is a big multiplayer game. It's on, on this list for the multiplayer aspect. It has a great single-player mode, but my memories were from the multiplayer. GoldenEye 007. Oh, snap. And this was... 
just a fantastic from the multiplayer standpoint. You picked a character, you went out and found guns, and then you tried to shoot each other in a you know time limit, try to kill each other. Um, sounds kind of barbaric now that I say it out loud. I was never good at that game, but I just remember loved playing it because it was so different than anything else I'd played at the time. Well, and that's the thing about that multiplayer. I mean, it looks awful now, but I still prefer to play a game like that, you know, multiplayer style. Um, we had specialized rules where you could not pick odd jobs because I odd feel job, like that went across the board because the friends I played with would not let you pick odd. Well, job. odd job was shorter. He was, and it gave you it's a huge advantage because you had to aim downward, mm-hmm. whereas everyone else was about the same height. Um, so we had a no odd job rule. Um, you know, if you picked odd job, you just kind of ruined the party the whole the rest of the night because people kind of ticked off at you. I always felt it was fair because I sucked at the game so bad that at least I should be able to be odd job. No, but no, they didn't. No. They didn't like that. Um, this was the original screen watching game where you know you could kind of tell tell where people are by watching their screens. Um, that didn't work out well for me because my go to place was to hide in the bathroom yeah. or in the ceiling above the bathroom. Right, and I thought that was awesome. The fact that you could just do that in the game in general, it wasn't. Some random layers like you're going up into a ceiling through vents, and then now you can drop into a bathroom. Like to me back then, you know, you didn't have options like that. You right. know, before then, it was just a plain level across straightforward. But to do that, that's where I hung out. But of course, when everybody watching the screen saw me sitting on a toilet, like it didn't go well for me. Well, and there there were definitely uh, there were different game modes uh, where you could have power weapons or mm-hmm. rocket launchers or lasers or pistols only or slappers only. Where I was you about didn't to say, did you ever do slappers only? We did slappers only. That was kind of pathetic. Um, and then if you knew how to do the cheat code, you can unlock different cheats where you had huge heads. I remember or that. Or you did paint. There was paintball. Um, if you shot the wall, it would be paint. So mm-hmm. paintball edition. Um, you had uh, the mines, which was another weapon choice where you could have time mines, proximity mines, where if someone got close enough, it would blow up. I remember that. And that took, you know, it allowed you to think from a strategic point of view as a player, um, you place those mines where you think people will be most likely. And then if it was a... Um, like a mine you had to activate, you had to get your thing and activate when they got there. Proximity mine, you had to um, place it where people would be going. Mm-hmm. And just huge strategy on top of strategy in that game. Hours upon hours upon hours of fun. And that was before I even realized what, how awesome the single player mode was. Because the single player mode, you were James Bond. Where it wasn't necessarily you go in there and kill everything. You have to sneak around to... Mm-hmm complete your objectives and they had your regular agent mode your secret agent mode which is kind of your medium difficulty and then your 007 agent mode which is your hard difficulty and depending on the difficulty you picked you had extra objectives that you had to complete again where it's not yeah you have to kill people but you can't do it out in the open or you can't do it in front of a camera you have to take out the cameras first Mm -hmm. just such a fun fun game and um again i didn't have a nintendo 64 to begin with Mm -hmm. um WCW NW Revenge and uh, GoldenEye 007 extradited me getting a Nintendo 64. That's awesome. And I would say that's probably, if not anything but beyond, I think that's probably the number one sleepover video game where you got a bunch of dudes hanging out, spending the night back before Halo, back before any of these other games. You had 007. I remember eating you know, chips, pizza, 007. You just sit there. And it was something because all four of you could play this. It wasn't like what I was talking about before. It was... One person played and everybody watched, but it was something that everybody could get in on. So I thought that was awesome. That was the great thing about my number three and my number four picks were they were all there were four player games. You mm-hmm. had four controllers, which was new because before that it was two controllers. Yeah. And we would play as long as we could each night. We'd fall asleep. Next morning Andrew's mom would cook 
bacon and cinnamon rolls and have Sunday Delight. We'd eat breakfast, and we'd go back in there and play some more. Yep. And just so fun, so fun, so fun. Uh, my number two. Yes. Because I'm getting closer to my favorite, whereas you're getting a little bit further away. Yes. This game is similar to my number four, but it was the newest game on my list. comes from 2003, Need for Speed Underground. Very nice game. I remember playing Midnight Club 2, like I explained a minute ago. Loved it. I was getting into cars. At this point, when Need for Speed came out, I was 16. So this hit me. I was able, I got my license. I was driving. Uh, Fast and Furious 2 was about to come out that same year if it hadn't already come out. Um, it was just, it blew all the other car games away. Because at this point, now you are playing. They do have the licenses to have Honda Civics and Toyota Supras. And they have the actual cars in the game. They are what they're supposed to be. They, especially for the time period, they looked amazing for graphic-wise compared to even years before. Um, the coolest thing about this game to me was the fact you could customize the cars. You rode around, you street raced people, you know, you challenged them. There was multiple different ways you could race them. Same way you're trying to just get up the list of, you know, how great of a racer you are. But the funnest thing is there's a garage this time. And you can take the cars in there. They have lists of parts that are actually real world companies, real world parts, real body kits, real mufflers, real everything. You're throwing them in there. You can design the paint, design the color of the wheels, design all these little, like down to the littlest detail at least for the time period of these games. So I remember I had my dream garage built. I mean, I feel like I probably spent more time in the designer mode of that than I did actually racing. I remember building up a Super. I remember I, I got a Civic not too long after that, and I remember building up a Civic and putting things on there and trying to decide, am I going to put this on my real-world car in my, that I drive every day? You know, will that look good if I do this or if I change that? Um, it just really, like, I've always been into cars ever since around that time. But it really framed who I was and what I was getting into and what I thought about cars, even to the point that I would design, you know, female, what you know, I would think a female would drive. But my future girlfriend's going to drive this or drive that, you know, and it's it's funny. We started working on my wife's Jeep last year and that's it all went back to that. In my mind It's like I remember being 16 years old playing this game, designing, well, you know, if a woman was to drive this car, what I think it would probably look like. You now, it's probably generic where it was all pink or whatever, you know. But it was just cool where, you know, back then, you know, a guy probably wouldn't drive necessarily a pink car, but um, it was just fun to do that. And I remember doing that more so than anything. I remember having conversations with friends where we would design cars and we had our own cars in the driveway. And it's like, well, if I had all the money and it wasn't an object, this is what it would look like. Um, it was just a big thing for me. That's really cool. And I enjoyed the Need for Speed games. I didn't get into them as, uh, as much as you did. I wasn't much of the creativity designer type, type of guy. I just wanted to race. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I was competitive on that end. Didn't care about what it looked like. Just wanted to race the car. Yeah. So, uh, my number five, um, and I don't know, you know, when you're done with your number one, I do want to give a couple of honor mentionable, sure. honorable mention shout-outs to some games that were just barely off my list. I don't think they're on your list, but I don't want to, you know, spoil them just in case. Mm -hmm. uh, my number five, let's go back to where I said I didn't have the Nintendo 64. Okay. So Christmas, I believe it was Christmas 98. Or it might have been Christmas 99. Mm -hmm. um, my brother got a Nintendo 64. Oh, that's cool. But he wouldn't and share it with you. Well, no, no. He didn't really care much about video games. Oh, so you so, lucked out. So he played it for a couple of weeks, and then I think within three weeks it ended up in my room. Nice. Because I wanted to play it, and he didn't want me in his room, so I played it in my room. And one of the games he got was Star Fox 64. Oh, nice. And this was a space adventure uh, with an anthropomorphic Morphic fox. Um, I don't even I, know what that. Means. I have no idea if that's even correct, but it's a fox who can walk and drive and drive and apparently drive a uh, spaceship. Fox McCloud 
And him and his team, uh, Slippy Toad, Peppy Hair, and Falco, were going to defend Corneria and go after Andros, who killed Fox's father. Mm-hmm. And it was a fun game because you were riding in space. You had to shoot down spaceships, and you'd have these bosses at the end of each level. The really cool thing about this game, yeah, and it had a multiplayer mode. Multiplayer w- mode wasn't as, mm-hmm. um, you know, as fun as the other multiplayer games we talked about. But uh, the really cool thing about this game is it didn't have a set level path where if you found a secret in a level, it would split the path hmm. and based on the difficulty of the, where the secret was. So if you took the easy path, when you got to the end, you got you know an ending where Andros was actually a robot and it wasn't really your true ending. Gotcha. But if you took the hard path mm-hmm. where you had to... Uh, you had to shoot all, down all these different things in the first level and then take the secret path that you didn't even realize was there. And, you know, just, just discovering that the first time was a mind-blowing, wait a minute, I'm not going to the the first boss. I went to a different boss. Nice. And uh, that led to another level, and then you had to do, like, kill 100 enemies in that level to move on to the next hard path where you would go down to the medium path, and um, you'd fight Star Wolf, who is, like, the rival uh, mm-hmm. mercenary gang where you had Wolf and Leon and... Uh, Pigma, who was originally on uh, Fox's dad's team, but he betrayed him. That's how Fox's dad died. And um, you'd go through all that, and then you got to the true ending where you would face Andros, who was this huge uh, monkey at hands and, um, you know, his head, and then you'd shoot him and you'd kill him, and instead of a robot, it would be his brain. And, you'd ha- you know, his brain would try to suck you in, and just it was kind of, in a way, like a horror movie in a way, just uh, the way it was kind of scary. But just a super fun game, uh, you weren't always in a spaceship. There were some levels where you in, were in the uh, the tank, the the rover, the land ro- rover. There was a level where you were underwater. And Star Fox is one of those properties that it really hasn't gotten the best attention from Nintendo. Uh, it released the game in the or on the Wii U, and it wasn't the best game. They've had a couple of games for the GameCube, but it just really hasn't gotten a lot of t- attention since. To 64, that's still the best Star Fox game. In a way, it's kind of like Donkey Kong Country. Donkey Kong Country got uh, Donkey Kong Country's Returns for the Wii and then Tropical Freeze for the Wii U, and it was re-released for the Switch. Um, But it really hasn't hit the heights that Donkey Kong Country 2 was. So I'm still waiting for Nintendo to put out a fantastic Star Fox game and Donkey Kong Country game for the Switch. Um, I remember playing Star Fox when it came out, but I sucked at it. As good as I was at car games, I was never good at flying games. I just couldn't control it right. Could um, you, you could, could you do a barrel roll? I probably did, but not on, in perp, on intentionally. <laughs> I probably just rolled and hit somebody else. Uh, I don't know what it was. I never. I loved like the idea of flying up, you know, just things like that. But just in video games, I was good at cars, but not planes. The, the big th- uh, thrill for me was around th- this time, and like I said, it was '99, I believe. Mm-hmm. Star Wars Episode One had just released, and in the previous. Uh, months or years leading up to Episode One's re-release, they had put the or not re-release the original release of mm-hmm. Episode One. They re-released Episodes Four, Five, and Six in the theaters. I remember so that. So I was a huge Star Wars guy then, and this was kind of like flying in space. You know, I know you had a fox and stuff, but that, that could have the same way with was it pod racing? Yeah, pod racing. I sucked at that. Too. I, I have that game, and I suck at that game too. But um, but you know that game was Star Fox was just incredible to me. Um, the first level to me was a how to introduce a game to someone who's new. Mm-hmm. Like you would do something, and then Peppy would say, 
you know, use the boost to break it in on the screen. It'll show you what button to hit. Gotcha. Or okay. do a barrel roll, and it'll show you, you know, hit the R or the L button. Well, see, I can follow or, instructions, so I probably at least did that. But. Or, you know, do a somersault, and it'll show you how to do that. And so you were set up for the rest of the game. It'll show you everything in the first level. Um, very iconic on how to play that game. In a way, it's kind of like the first Super Mario Brothers where you didn't really show you what buttons to hit, but you, the first level is a how-to uh, or a, like a good tutorial on how to play the game where you see this block. Well, if you jump up and hit it, oh, a coin comes out. Here's an enemy. If you jump on him, you kill him. Here's another block. Oh, there's a mushroom. If you mm-hmm. do that, you become big and you can take a hit. Um, you know, where it's kind of subconsciously training you on how to play the game through that first level. The first levels of any game should try to teach you how to play the game and not be too difficult. So not like Home Alone. Not like Home Alone at all. (laughs) Where the suitcase Um, is just Or or not like the first Ninja Turtles game. That's (laughs) true. um, um, So Star Fox did a really good job of that, and I just love the game. I actually don't own that game anymore, but I'm looking for it, and I just can't find a decent price for it. Um, But I can't wait to add it back to my collection because it was just so fun. Well, maybe we can play it, and maybe I won't suck at it as much. I can, show you, I can show you some tricks and tips. Nice. What is your number one, Kyle? Number one favorite video game all time. Of all time. Came out 1999. I had it on my PlayStation. It is Tony Hawk's Pro, Pro Skater, Skater 1. Pro Skater, yes. Um, I remember I'd gotten into skateboarding before this game came out, but once it came out, it really instilled something into me that I just loved skateboarding. Um, did you ever get into skateboarding? I tried and failed. Well, see, like, I wasn't, like, great at it by any means. Like, I could stay on it, and I could do a few things here and there, but I never was great. But for me, the biggest thing was just I just loved doing it. Um, I had a neighbor or two neighbors, Brandon Evans, Josiah. Um, we would skate every day after school, especially once this game came out. I got fully into it. That was my life. Like, I played guitar and stuff, but when this came out, I was all about skateboarding. I wanted to know more. I remember keeping a binder of like ramp plans of how to build ramps because someday I, that's what I was going to do for a living was build ramps and I never even I think we built one um, but I remember like this game came out in a time period when everything was called extreme yes everything that came out with the X games which was extreme games like they had all these extreme things um, I remember any TV show you watched back then any movie there was skateboarding happening somewhere in that game or not game but TV show I remember like you know Rocket Power came out a little while after that there was so much that was just skateboarding, so much extreme. You know, it was the cool thing then. Um, I remember too, like me and my friend Michael, we both got into it. You know, we discovered a store called PacSun. You know, where you didn't have to order your clothes out of CCS to get like skateboard clothes or your skateboard products. I remember doing that, and I remember some of the older kids like picking on us, calling us posers, just because they had been skating long before it became popular again in the news and everywhere else. It was that was just what they did and they loved, and I get that. But finally, like once we had that, you know the ability to do it as well we definitely weren't great but we loved doing it um i remember i got this for christmas 1999 i also got the red hot chili peppers album californication at the same great album great album i remember days and days and days of playing the game and having californication playing nonstop on my speaker system like in my room and they just went hand in hand so when i think of the game i think of that album but beyond that like tony Hawk's pro skater had a great soundtrack that was one of the first games where you had Real world music that was great songs, you know, uh, Goldfinger, Superman is still like favorite. We played it the other night, getting ready for the kitchen. Fantastic, it's a pump song. up song. Um, before this time, there wasn't really any you know games that had you know they had like the Paperboy, I guess. But I remember when I bought my PlayStation, it had the, you know the demo pack. You know, you used to get that with games. I'm sure yes. you kind of do stuff. But it had a game on there called Two Extreme. Yes, I remember that. And it was like a downhill race, pretty much, where you could either be a bike rider, rollerblader, or a skater. Maybe even one where I was, I don't remember, but 
you would go down and there's ramps that you could hit going down. There's rails you could hit going down and you could hit each other if you're trying to pass. Your whole goal was to get there first. Right. The other part was just kind of thrown in there so you could have fun. But whenever Tony Hawk came out, it completely changed the world of all that because you've got a guy that, you know, arguably one of the best skateboarders of all time. He's in charge of making this game. So he gets a call on what a thing should look like, what things, you know, what things make sense, what things don't make sense. Now, sure, there were tons of cheat codes where you could, like, float up into space and do all sorts of dumb junk. But um, I remember this just introduced me to so much. They had, you know, a full roster of other skateboarders, you know, Andrew Reynolds, um, Rodney Mullen, Chad Muska, so many other people that before then I didn't know as much about but then became some of my favorite skaters. Like you were going to say something. You're just no, ready. I, I remember playing this game, mm-hmm. too, and – I, I don't remember getting very far in the game, but I just remember pressing a bunch of buttons and being able to do something on a uh, on a guardrail and mm-hmm. thinking that was the coolest thing in the world. And it was. And, like, I wasn't big into skateboarding. I think it's because uh, I moved to the country back in 1996. Mm-hmm. I lived in the town of Micro um, in a little neighborhood where you could ride your bikes and stuff. And if I had still lived there, I might would have gotten into skateboarding a little more. Sure. But since I lived in the country and there wasn't a lot of places to ride, you know, I just wasn't a skateboarding guy. Um, I wasn't very uh, – I guess athletically inclined to do skateboarding either. I was more of a basketball, baseball kind of guy. Mm-hmm. Um, that was where my comp- competitions go. Skateboarding's a um, activity where you can fail a lot easily early on, and I-, I just wasn't very good at persevering. But this game, you know, I could do all that without tearing up my elbows. Sure, you know, without <laughs> and, breaking anything. And I just love. I think the first level was like the, just a little skate park, mm-hmm. and I just remember lo- loved. You know, skating up and down the little thing and trying to pull, pull all these little tricks off that I had no idea what they were called. And you get little points and the bonuses and stuff. Just a fun, fun game. I think I also played uh, the, the second edition of this mm-hmm. game or the second game that came out and just being blown away from it. I mean, just fantastic game. Well, I remember this for years to come, this and Need for Speed both. Like, I didn't get video games very often throughout, like, the year. But every Christmas, Tony Hawk and Need for Speed were on my list for Christmas presents because nearly every year they'd come out with a new game. Um, or at least every couple years, it seemed like. But um, I remember going home every afternoon. Like, I was excited to get out of school to go home and skateboard that afternoon. I, you know, my neighbors, thankfully, I was close to them. They'd come over. We'd all skate together. And then I'd go in and play video games for us. And I'd go play skateboard, you know, I'd skateboard outside and then go play video games skateboarding. Um, and I remember it just being a huge impact on my life to the point that, like, I still keep up with skateboarding today. You know, I never got, you know, I get into sports growing up. I played baseball and basketball. I really, you know, I don't have cable or any other stuff, so I don't watch it all the time, but I don't get to keep up with it as much. And I do enjoy hockey now and everything else. But for me, skateboarding was my thing. I'd keep up with who won what competition, who's skating where, what's going on now. Right. You know, and I still do that. Like at lunch at work, you know, I'll pull up and watch, you know, all sorts of skateboarding competitions, just new skate stuff in general, like who's skating now, what's going on. And it's so crazy now because, you know, Instagram and everything else, you got little kids that are like eight years old doing things that are insane that professionals couldn't even do back in the day. But um, this, I just remember this game being a game changer. It changed my life where I, you know, I was more involved on about, you know, skateboarding and stuff, but then also just in the world in general to the point that um, it transformed skateboarding from being something that, you know, people were doing for giant careers. Again, I remember um, on the nine club podcast, I was listening to that. I had Tony Hawk on there and they asked him, how much did you make with all those Tony Hawk games? Like you had to make some good money for doing that. And he said, you know, he didn't tell him the grand total or anything, but he did tell him that he was out to eat one time with um, some of the representatives of the company or whatever from the gaming systems. And they handed him a check over, over dinner. And the check alone was for $4 million. Wow. 
So, and I remember Andrew Reynolds was on one one time. They were talking to him, and he was he made a good chunk of change. I want to say it was hundred thousand dollars or less. I don't remember right offhand, but just to have his name included in the game and have you know his resemblance He's was getting, making big money. Those royalties, yeah. And it changed his life around. I think they said, you know, in further games that they made a deal, like they didn't get a, a suite of a payout because of how they rigged it. But in the first game especially, they got a good payout. And I know Tony Hawk's talked about how that's transformed his life where he's able to start organizations now where they go and help build skate parks all across the country. Um, and a lot of the money from that came from there, but he was able to turn around and put in his organization. But – just stuff I love today. Like I said, I, you know, I don't really skate as much now. I've got a long board I ride around on every once in a while to have fun. But it's just something that, you know, for me, that's – it changed my life as a teenager and it still sticks with me today that I just love skateboarding in general. I'm really surprised, if anything. I figured in, out of your top five you're going to have some sort of football game in there, which yeah. I suck at – I don't – I never knew the rules. Before. I played football in middle school. Even on the team I didn't know the rules of how to play. They just shoved me in there and say hit somebody sometime because I was a big dude, but – and, you know, honestly, um, I didn't have a football game in my, like, top, you know, eight. I had three games that, you know, kind of missed the mark. Mm -hmm. um, Super Mario World, uh, 96X, it was, like, it just an incredible um, feat to be able to accomplish where you got all 96 levels completed. Um, that Bowser fight at the end was still kind of iconic. Uh, the original Super Mario Kart, I remember going around with my mom, going to, like, Walmart and um, – and whatever other stores were there, I think. Sure. And try, trying to find that game because I want, you know, I was a big Mario guy then. Well, that game was um, iconic, too, because you're talking about 007 a while ago, about how yeah. that was a major sleeper video game. Mario Kart is right there Mario Kart with 64 yeah. kind of really changed it. The, the, the original one on the Super Nintendo was much harder. Mm -hmm. uh, Super uh, 64 definitely made it a little more accessible for all players, and it's still kind of a huge game today. And the last one was NBA Jam. For sure. And yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember just playing that and trying to – I never actually beat, like, where you would go in the season mode and try to get beat all 29 teams. No. Um, I would get, like, to 17 or 18 or 19 and be stuck. I just won Gadio Boom Shakalaka. Yeah. That was – like, if you I know, could get that, on fire, that funny. was my goal. Um, one of the streamers I watch, Grand Pooh Bear, um, who I'm That's definitely going to – Yeah, definitely going to uh, tag him in this whenever this goes live. Um, he hired the guy who did the voices for NBA Jam oh, to, do, awesome. to do some um, – some voiceovers for him. Mm -hmm. um, so, like, whenever he beats a level on Mario Maker and he, you know, he has world record, his thing is, suck it, rest of the world. <laughs> well, he hired this guy to do, suck it, rest of the world. That is awesome. <laughs> or, um, you know, he refers to himself as the people's champion, modeled after The Rock, I believe. Mm -hmm. But I think Pooh Bear is the, uh, the great, the, the real people's champion at this point. But he's got the guy, he presses the button and says, the people's champion, Grand Pooh Bear. And, just super fun. I don't know how much he paid him to do it, but apparently you can, you know, if you can find this guy and you can hire him to do some voiceovers for it, for you, we might have to seek him out and do something for the podcast. Worst case, we'll just fake it till we make it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the I guess if I had to put a football game on the list, it would be Madden 2005, which is not necessarily even the best Madden game, but it has, for me, the most memorable soundtrack gotcha. um, that I remember. It was the first Madden game I was really kind of introduced to. I, I wasn't really even introduced to Madden until I got to college. Okay. Um, so when you think of football games – I take it back. NFL Blitz was another That's game. That's the only one I enjoyed because um, I sucked at like being official. Right. I was like, I'm just going to hit you as hard as I can every time. And I also hated short running game because it was too slow for me. So if you were playing against me, you knew every time I was chunking the ball. The great thing about NFL Blitz was you didn't have to know the rules. You didn't have to do, you no, know, it was um, perfect. It was, me. you know, you had 30 yards to a first down and you just hit each other after the whistle and all this other stuff. I mean, just a fun game. That was another sleepover uh, it was. great hit that we had. 
Um, so NFL Blitz would probably be my number nine pick. With with also NHL Hits, which yes, is very similar. NHL Hits was similar. And then they had NBA Street, yeah. which uh, was similar as well. But uh, I enjoyed going through this trip. Of mem- for me, memory lane, um, a lot of these games are still games that affect me to this day. Um, when we do the Joe Davis Classic, which is a once-a-year gathering of us and some of our friends uh, where we play video games, mm-hmm. you know, the first year we did at my house, and we had the 64, and a lot of these games were on the list. Sure. And um, just I, I loved every one of these games. I enjoyed hearing your list, too. Yeah. Um, you know, I'd like to get a copy of Star Fox 64. And we'll have to play um, against and, teach and, me. And show you how to do that. Or I don't know if you ever played Donkey Kong Country 2, but just show you I something. did on Game Boy, the, the, but that was it. The best thing about – I didn't even mention the best thing about Donkey Kong Country 2. Um, and I just mentioned it earlier with uh, Madden, the soundtrack. David Wise wrote this beautiful, beautiful soundtrack to this game. Um, it, it is – the best, in my opinion, of all games. I mean, it's, it's beautiful. I love that stuff, then too, because even I went through, as I was putting this list together and kind of listening to the soundtracks, mm-hmm. video games themselves, it's just awesome. A lot of times, especially the, the more modern it got, not saying like now, right now, but just throughout time, how you first had these really digitized sounds that was only, you know, specific. You thought about video games, you heard it, but then also just how, you know, like Final Fantasy, you know, I never really played it a lot, but I know the soundtracks yes. are amazing. Um, and it's just something you don't think about as much, you know, at least me and you that, you know, don't play video games all the time, or you and I to be proper English, but you know, it's just another part of video games that you don't realize plays into it. Cause the same way with Silent Hill, if it wasn't for the creepy music that was playing and all of a sudden got real staticky, it wouldn't affect you the same way. But the fact that they, you know, play the music that hits you right in the heart that gives you the, like scares the crap out of you whenever you're about to get scared. You know, it all goes into it to make the experience like an awesome thing. Absolutely. And David Wise with with Donkey Kong Country 2, just, again, beautiful soundtrack, which really played into the level design. When you were on a pirate ship, you had like a little pirate theme. Mm -hmm. Um, When you were in a cave, it was kind of a melancholy, you know, style. Um, You get to like these Bramble levels. Um, Sticker Brush Symphony um, is the name of the track when you get to the Bramble um, Thorn levels. Mm -hmm. And it's just, it really just kind of picks up and... I mean, it's, I can't say enough good things about it. It's such a beautiful soundtrack. I, I listen to it um, on Spotify. I mean, awesome. it's, yeah, yeah. it's fantastic. It's a way to calm me down. It's, I mean, it just puts you at peace. I do stuff at work like that all the time. I mean, it's it's fantastic. So if anything else, even if you never played Donkey Kong Country 2, I want you to check out the soundtrack. I'll listen to it tomorrow at work. So, um, definitely. So that's all we've got for um, for the top five video games. Um, our what My what versus your what. Yeah. Uh, I don't know, next week, either we're going to get the Boy Meets World next week or we're going to stay with our um, top five wrestling memories um, from our childhood. Sure. Um, that was already planned. Uh, we are definitely going to get the Boy Meets World uh, either the week after that or um, in the next It's two. coming. It's definitely coming. The boy coming will meet the world at some point. At some point. Um, but I really enjoyed uh, talking about our video games today. and There are definitely more to come. Um, if you're following us you know, on our Instagram, we do have that. We've got Twitter. Feel free to jump in. Let us know what your favorite games are. Um, our Instagram is what the what media. So definitely jump jump in. Leave a comment on the post. Tell us what your favorite video games were growing up. We're definitely excited about that. Um, if anything, I know a lot of times now in the world we live in, we talk so much about how kids don't get out and play. They don't do. Anything. They're always on these you know tablets or video games or whatever. Um, I don't th- you know that's true. But then there's also the side of this where we were talking about how us as friends we got together. A lot of these you know video games we brought up. Or because of the memories we have playing with other people. So I definitely recommend that. I mean, I know you probably had some other stuff too growing up. Other games that would have made the list if we would have allowed it. But uh, just an awesome time. You know, that's part of our childhood. Was just spending time with others and doing something together collectively. So 
Uh, I had a great trip on this memory lane. Definitely. Uh, road trip we took. And I uh, hope you guys tune in to us next time. All right, that's it. And this is What the What. Thanks for tuning in. What, what the, the What? what? <laughs>